Welcome to the Cinephile His and Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the Tirade Film Movie Debate Podcast, hosted by two film critics, cool dads and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I am William Johnson. Ooh, so formal tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives and wash away any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and hissy fit is on. This week, we have a special show for you. One of a couple of special shows we've got kind of lined up here in the January, February months of 2023. Uh, first things first, we're going to do... Uh, the um, best of 2022, we're going to go through our 10 best of the year and kind of just kind of hodgepodge, go back and forth, see what we feel about some things, uh, kind of discuss what why we chose them and what makes the list. And uh, just to kind of tease here, we're coming up on, on episode 100 and we're going to do the same kind of hodgepodge real soon for our top 100 favorites of all time, which will be an epic, amazing anniversary show. So stay tuned for that one. But for now, we'll dig into 2022 and see how far we get. Yeah, no, I am, I'm being formal today because, um, well, one, it's a top list of a year, and you have to mm-hmm. you have to take it very seriously as a film critic. But also, I just spent nine hundred dollars on a new fridge, so I'm a little sobered right now. <laughs> so that's all right. That's not exactly like I'm not exactly like in a chipper mood. So uh, that's kind of how that goes. But um, uh, be, before we begin, just so we kind of know our. I mean, I always like to have little caveats in here because um, I'm not on as many press lists as Don is. So I pay for a little bit more than he does with movies. So I am a yeah. little bit more selective. Uh, I definitely missed out on a couple. Uh, I mean, I definitely, I, to, to put it simply on my list, I mean, I have, I didn't count TV shows. I didn't count short films. I didn't count mm-hmm. Uh, specials or anything like that, you know, the Marvel specials or anything like that. So in yeah. terms of just feature films and documentaries, I have 60 for 2022, but I know that's pretty sparse compared to your output of 2022 films. Yeah. I humble brag being the frontline press guy. I, I bought zero movie tickets this past year. <laughs> swear to God. Like I did. No, I take that back. Um, My wife and I went and saw on our own, no press, top gun maverick but i used the gift card so i literally spent none of my own money this year to nice. watch a movie um so yeah but it, it is nice to be able to um it, i admit i um i pinch myself every year i get to do this where i really do feel um uh blessed by just the work and the effort to be where i where i get to be and it's it's fun to have the movies come to you rather than the other way around uh but at the same time uh no um i i still don't see as many movies as some of my peers who are tipping at 200 and 300 and they're crazy where i feel really good just being you know in the 120s and and calling it a day where even i have even i pick and choose my spot so you know no no you're not you're not at a loss to anything so no worries there but in terms for the sake of being up front, I mean, in terms of like heavy hitters now, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of 2022 films, obviously I did not see, but there's a couple in terms of like award recognition and critic recognition that I have not seen. So if you're listening yeah. and you're like, well, why didn't he put this or that? Like, that's because I haven't seen it yet. And the three big ones to me in terms mm-hmm. of that recognition is the RRR, which I have not seen. Ooh, yet. Okay. Um, After Sun, which I haven't seen yet. And one that's getting a lot of best picture buzz right now, women talking. So those are kind of my three heavy hitters. I'm pretty confident I've seen, I I usually, when it gets around this time and I need to try to get a a list out, I do, I do go and take a look at 
you know, if there's something I haven't seen, I will look at like, uh, I usually like to use variety variety has like kind of mm-hmm. this every week they They're update bit. their, their predictions yeah. on what's going to win an award. So at, with the exception of women talking, I've seen all of, I've seen probably 18 out of the 20 best pitcher candidates mm-hmm. and I've tried to see other stuff that I can. So, um, like I said, I will not be as prolific as Don, but sure. I, I'm pretty confident I've seen everything that is considered quote unquote a heavy hitter. So yeah, I think the one heavy hitter I'm missing that I need to make time for, even though it really isn't hasn't made much uh, headway in any of the nominations I've had to vote on in different groups that I'm in. Is she said I haven't seen that yet, and oh, then yeah. a lot of the foreign and documentary stuff, like I haven't seen Fire of mm-hmm. Love, Triangle of Sadness, Broker, Moon Age Daydream, all the Booty and Bloodshed, all these. The foreign stuff, the documentary stuff, I'm light on. Um, but uh, yeah, well, well, that means I, I we still feel have, still felt good having a good list. So that means we'll have at least one that you haven't seen on my top ten, and I assume there'll be one that I haven't seen on yours. So at oh this yeah, point. oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so should we uh, start with ten or do some honorable mentions first? Let's let's do our honorable mentions. I was thinking we could just do five, and and we can just list them off if you want, or we yeah. can. We don't have to go one by one, but... Uh... No, you betcha. Um, I'll throw five out here quick. So I did a top 10, which we'll put on the show. My 11 through 15 are as follows that just missed. The Batman, which will probably piss Will off right there. Um, <laughs> Turning Red at number 12. Top Gun Maverick at number 13. Uh, number 14, Decision to Leave, the foreign film that we both have seen and really enjoyed. And then Avatar The Way of Water is mm. snuck ahead a few things at, four, at 15. All of those I rank on Letterboxd about four stars or so. So I don't do, do you any halves. Know, and it's, do you want to know where Avatar ranks in my list of 60? I, 59. 50. <laughs> Close. Gotcha. Gotcha. 50. 50. Yeah. Um, so my different five stores, from 11. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this is definitely going to be my my year is going to be. I think I've seen some people have seen my list and they're like, "What the hell did you just hit random?" Um, but that's, <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm I am kind of a random person. But I also it shouldn't come as a surprise once you stop, especially once you start getting into the top four, you're going to be like, "Well, of course that makes sense. It's Will." But um, mm-hmm. my my eleven through fifteen in this order, I had this is one that was in my top five for a really long time. Uh, number eleven, I had Lightyear, which mm, I really loved. I remember that earlier uh, in the year. Yeah, you were high on that for sure. Uh, number twelve, I've got uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, uh, which I was Ooh. very moved by. Um, number thirteen, I, this was a late entry. I watched this very late, but I watched Hulu's Fresh with Sebastian Ooh, Stan. I, excellent that, choice. I cracked my top fifteen. Um, here's another one that was up there. It was in the top five for a while as well. And very late into the year, but it kind of moved down once I started kind of mainstreaming stuff. But strange world was my number 14, the animated mm. film, which I All really right. loved. And this one will come as a surprise because, uh, I'm not really a Ryan Johnson guy, but I have glass onion as number 15. So good pick. Good pick. Yeah. It's in my, it's up there for me. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, then these 10 are going to be pure choice here. Uh, I will defer to you. You do number 10 first. Well, (laughs) this one is already going to, I'm sure, question uh, the legitimacy of my list, because I guarantee you this film that I have at number 10, no one has on their top 10. And I went with Bullet Train as number 10 with Brad Pitt. Um, I, I don't know. I just I was in love with this picture. I just thought. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people, whenever there's something with 
uh, crime and witty banter mm-hmm. and non-linear storytelling. Everyone automatically goes to, oh, it's a Tarantino ripoff, which is kind of a weird thing to say because Tarantino himself has a lot of homages to other films. But yeah. uh, that doesn't bother me either because I like the crime Tarantino films and I like crime films in general. I like Guy Ritchie. I like um, I, I like stylistic crime stuff uh, that has comedic elements, but also very serious, you know, heavy violence and and things like that. And uh, I just think it was it's a great cast and uh, a hilarious situation. A tad bit long, but uh, it stuck mm-hmm. with me when I saw it, and that's why it's in my top ten. I, I loved it very much. Nah, good action flick. I felt like it. Um, I'm with you in the too long, like the the jokes and coincidences kind of piled up. I know it's a movie full of them and Brad Pitt, it stirs the drink for that sort of thing, but uh, no solid action, good stuff, creative stuff. I- I'm there. I was more of, um, if I have to do the, I don't want to say turn your brain off action, but uh, if I was the mm-hmm. turn your brain off action guy, the gray man would be higher than bullet train for me. If we're going to 2022. So. That was, that was, cl- that was close for a while. That, yeah, it's in my yeah. top 25. I, I, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a Russo, a Russo brothers person, but I've, that's um, why I'm surprised. It's as low as well. It is, so. Well, I'm yeah. only the only problem with Gray Man was I think that it uh, some of the action is indecipherable, which is very non, which is very uncharacteristic of the Russo That's, That's what yeah. brings it down for me a little bit. Okay, uh, my number ten. I, I played the uh, I played the school teacher. It's a movie I said in my review and even on TikTok that I think every middle school kid should see in America should see, and uh, it's a uh, tilt. Uh, starring Daniel mm. Deadweiler, best actor's favorite, where it's just that the right kind of story to show and see. Um, I work in a school in the West Side of Chicago, 100% minority school, where you know they they are the matching demographic to this particular film. And uh, the teachers, I've been telling the teachers there, like, hey, like, let's get the kids out to a screening. Let's go, you know, see this movie. I got a a nice screener for this movie, a, a disc for the FYC stuff, and I gave it to my coworker to borrow for a bit. Don't get me in trouble. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's like, yes, I, I can't wait to show this to my family, the classmates, you know, because I think the middle school kids can absorb this story because they're not that far away in age to where and it was in this particular story. And Daniel Deadweiler just mm. blows the doors off the place in terms of just strength, motherly power and influence. I just really enjoyed her part where it's not all we've seen a lot of these movies where it's just straight tears. Like how, how, how hard can you put the, what kind of ringer can you put the characters and this family through? And the movie was really to a great level. It, um, the director kind of said, like, I don't want to show black violence on screen. It'll happen off screen. We'll obviously see the repercussions from it, but I'm not going to show anybody getting hurt. I want to see the the reactions and the aftermath of that is the story. And she was right. She's a fantastic director, did a great story. And Till is my number 10. Did she, um, the director of that, did she do Clemency as well? Am I thinking of a uh, yes. movie? I think okay. you're right on Clemency. I had to double check. I'll double check that while you're thinking of number nine. But yeah. Because yeah, I really love Clemency as well. Uh, yeah, with with um, Alfred Woodard, Alfred Woodard. Right? and Aldous Let's Hodge. See here, yeah, Aldous Hodge was great. Yeah, so she did. Yep, she did clemency. First black woman to win the grand jury prize at Sundance because of that movie. So good for her. Nice. Yeah, I think Alfred Woodard should have been nominated last year, but that's another story. Um, yeah. My number nine. Also, um, so at the beginning of this year, uh, there were five directors that I was. So happy. I was like, in 2022, I'm going to get to see movies from these five directors all in one year. And this is the first one on the list of the five directors. That's also the highest Marvel movie 
on my list for all you sh- people out there who think I'm a complete show and would put a Marvel movie as number one, but I did not. But number nine for me, I just I can't get enough of it. It's stayed with me since May is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, essentially because it is Evil Dead 4. Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 4 just <laughs> with Marvel characters. And that's why I love it. And it it was destined to be, when I think back and I, I've kind of put it, it's it's maneuvered around my list a little bit. I even thought about putting it outside the top 10, but I still just remember, you know, a a specific sequence for those who haven't seen it. I won't spoil it, but there's a specific sequence where I was looking at my buddy and I just went, this movie is awesome. And that's just, if you get that kind of response out of a movie, it's got to be in your top 10, I think. So, so that's me. Yeah. You, we had that show where I'm a two star, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say hater of it, but it just, it didn't, it didn't register the way it registered for me. But uh, no, I can appreciate your love of Sam Remy. And, and even when we did our show, like, Hey, it's nice to see him get another bite of that apple and make a, make a compelling enough movie to get him, get him back in the good graces of things. Not that he probably ever left, but uh, um, and it's, it is a nice for for those that have been complaining about the Marvel method and, how directors yeah. don't get to have their say. I mean, for me, this was like the best of both worlds. I still got a Marvel movie, but I also got a Sam Raimi movie. And that's, that's why true. I'm very happy and why it's so high on my list. Yeah. Um, number number nine for me is a movie. I, I got all hyperbole on TikTok and I'll get in trouble for it. But uh, I said it's a movie I would rather watch than Top Gun Maverick over and over again. Mm. And it's uh, it's Devotion with uh, Glenn Powell from Top Gun nice. Maverick and starring Jonathan Majors, where uh, just mm. I, I nothing against Tom Cruise and obviously the amazing technical skill they put together to do uh, sure. Top Gun Maverick. But uh, give me, kind of like Till, give me a real story with some real characters and some real history and some different emotion and heart and, and a little less superhero Tom Cruise and you, you still have a very compelling, worthwhile story to tell where kind of just like till that's another movie you can put on in any middle school and high school in America and get a good, uh, earnest experience and solid response from Jonathan majors is a up and coming actor and talent. He was wonderful in this movie. Obviously he's going to blow the doors off our Marvel asses with, uh, playing Kang here soon. So, and uh, in Creed three, he looks amazing. So, I mean, he, he's on the come man and, uh, he has been for a while and he, in five years, I think we're going to be like, man, this is one of our top guys in the business. So if you can circle back to a movie like this where he just, again, kind of like Till, you have strength without visible violence again. And it's I just really appreciated that storytelling where, um, yeah, you just get a, a fantastic movie. For those who don't know it, it's kind of a um, the first black naval aviator. And it's uh, his experiences through the Korean getting ready for and during the Korean War. And uh and it's just a nice story. Like he meets Elizabeth Taylor in Cannes, France. It's just the side stuff and the people stuff goes with the battle stuff. And uh, yeah, I I would rather watch that than Top Gun Maverick over and over. So number nine, yeah, that, devotion. That was that was one that um, unfortunately was not here in Phoenix very long. I did have yeah. a screening for it, but then a family thing came up and I couldn't make it. And then it was kind of come and gone, unfortunately. So I still haven't yeah. had a chance to see it. But it's it's on the top of my list to see and i'm glad that you ranked it so high because i'm yeah. also i'm not uh i don't hate top gun either i just no, I'm, i don't either yeah. I, i'm agnostic to how amazing everyone says it is i think it's a very yeah. fine above average movie mm-hmm. uh it's it's very much a essentially a redo of the first one just yeah. with some silly mission impossible stuff at the end which i can't abide uh-huh. I uh, but here. 
it's still good. I mean, it's still a great movie. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would, I was more interested when I saw the commercials for that. I was like, that looks more like my speed in terms of a flying yeah. movie. If so. you are a Paramount Plus person out there, folks, Will or anybody else, uh, Devotion hits Paramount Plus this week. So, well, oh, this perfect. week as of our recording. So, the second week of January here. So, nice. Well, uh, speaking of war, uh, this one, you know, <laughs> I've seen some bleak movies in my time, but uh, mm-hmm. I can't, I would put this up there with like Schindler's List in terms of movies that like you have to see an experience, but it's not entertaining at all because <laughs> it's just so brutal and sad, but, uh, but it's so well-made. My, my number eight was the Netflix remake of All Quiet on the Western Front was Ooh, my that, number eight. That's another contender I have not seen yet, but it hasn't, again, wow, weirdly really? enough, it hasn't made a lot of, it made a couple of foreign film nominations, but I, I haven't put the time in yet. I need to. Well, it, it comes, it, it, much like Letters from Iwo Jima, which I think might be one of my favorite war films. Mm, excellent uh, I like I like movies that, you know, and I say bad guys with quotes because we all know in every war there's people that are forced to fight or, you know, they, they've been propagandized into fighting when they know it's a losing cause or whatever. So I, I hesitate to say that the Germans in World War I are bad guys. Um, mm-hmm. They obviously were an enemy of the United States and a lot of European places. So, but um, I think we're far enough removed where we can see a little bit of the humanity in the quote unquote bad guys. So I enjoy movies that yeah. show that perspective because uh, especially here in America, we have a, a problem of, you know, <laughs> uh, being like a propaganda machine for how great we are. Cause we've, we happen to win a lot of wars real early and then we try to pretend we won other ones later. Um, so this is a very interesting one to see what's it like on the losing side, because they always say that, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the winners write the history books, you know? So what about mm-hmm. the losers? And this is a German film and told from the German perspective of the war that they lost. So it's interesting stuff uh, all, I would say all quote unquote unknown cast, you know, at least mm-hmm. for maybe many Americans, I think the biggest name in there, they probably threw in there just to get a little bit of uh, pub is uh, uh, it was a Daniel Brule. Is that his name? The guy from um, yes. uh, uh, the Marvel Ron Howard fame. movie. Well, yeah. I was kind of trying to go with the non Marvel role. Oh, but, uh, yeah. just in rush. He was in rush. He was he's in rush. rush. He was yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's in that, but for the most part, it's a, a bunch of young actors I've never heard of and never seen. Uh, and that also helps too, because mm-hmm. you really, you really feel like they're putting like teenagers in danger in this thing. So it's pretty yeah. wild. Is it, have you seen the original? Well, I say original, but the classic from 30, whatever. Yeah. 1930. I've never seen the original. So it's, I, it's very good, but I could see it being a Hollywood, like you said, an American version of a losing story, which how, how real could they really paint it? But everyone, well, plus history raves about the original and it's very good. So, and I, and I do warn, you know, listeners that perhaps don't like violence or gore or anything like that. I mean, the 1930 version probably was not able to go to some of the lengths this movie is. This movie is probably one of the bleakest, like most depressing mm-hmm. movies I've ever seen, as well as um, pretty graphic. I mean, very graphic. Okay. Um, so, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what number are we on here? Eight. Eight. Uh, eight first. for. Did you go first? Oh, so- 
No, you went first. So okay. I'm at uh, do 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 do. All right, number eight for me. Um, oh here, uh, number eight for me is kind of um a little a tiny little indie that kind of is playing in VOD right now. It's been out since the summer and it just, it just rocked me as being a, a really nice story. Um, I think you would even like it cause you're kind of a, you, you're a guy, you're, you're a girl dad. Um, it's yeah. called marvelous. It's called marvelous and the black hole. And it's um from uh, a Korean, uh, Korean American director starring a Korean American girl. And uh, it's about a young teenage girl who uh, lost her mother to illness about a year ago and she's kind of fallen down since in terms of like you know former good student now is kind of you know doing a little bit of self-harm getting bad grades ditching classes dad doesn't know what to do with her things like that and as part of her punishment she's being put through community college because she's at the end of high school and she's really screwing up so she's stuck taking some community college classes in the summer and she runs into a children's uh, magician played by Rio Perlman and you get this little just kind of like healing and camaraderie mentor and mentee story out of those two and and from for me an unexpected place like real perman's a wonderful actress but man i mean it's been a you know 20 something years since matilda and a long time since cheers where you see an actress like that show out in a, in a senior part in a senior age and do just still dazzle still you know control the room still grab a kid by an ear and be like hey you do this the right way and just to show that kind of gumption a little bit where i was just endlessly impressed the uh the teen star her name is maya check uh she, she wonderful young actress uh plays that part with um don't get me wrong it's got some petulance to it but nowhere near like what we talked about recently on the show with like Sadie Sink in The Whale where it's mm. not every trait dialed to 12. She finds the right wavelength <laughs> and uh, you kind of you find he, it, both characters kind of find some some healing through each other not just the mental stuff and the physical stuff but the emotional parts too and uh, it's just a, an appreciable movie and with um yeah a little bit and again like it's a magician so like a little bit of magic along the way it just helps kind of you know, soften the blow and brighten up the dazzle a little bit. Uh, just really super tiny little movie that impressed me out of nowhere. Yeah, you've been talking about that one for a while. I remember you did hype that one up in the summer. Yeah, um, which seems like a million years ago at this point. Oh um, gosh, totally. Because this year's been twenty twenty two is very long. But uh, now I got to check that one out. I've not seen that one either. So, uh, number seven for me, um, and this led me down a just uh I, I don't know it led me down a path that i haven't been able to escape from in a good way uh, but i was able to see my first um park chan wook film and, and number seven for me is decision to leave um and like i said i've been consuming his films ever since because i was just kind of mesmerized by this experience i mean it kind of it kind of uh, for for those who don't know, it's it's it is a definitely a crime story, but it's also kind of a romance and a kind of bizarre mystery and just all kinds of stuff going on. A lot of a lot of um, Hitchcock going on, a lot of neo noirism going on, especially with one of the main characters, uh, Tong Wei from Lust Caution and Black Hat, who mm-hmm. is a very intriguing femme fatale in this. Um, just a movie, and and all the movies I've watched since I've watched about five total now from that director where I just, I, I don't have any idea where the stuff is going and that's very refreshing. You know, it's very refreshing to have something where you are guessing the whole time. There's no tropes or stereotypes or things where you can expect anything. And uh decision mm-hmm. to leave uh, is I think 
the first of, I guess, two foreign films. Well, three. I mean, well, yeah, because the next one is a foreign film, but number seven and eight are obviously from different countries, and that's great. That's yeah. good to see worldwide cinema on the list. I agree. Um, it, I you heard it earlier. It was number fourteen on my list. So, two of the top fifteen. I think I have another. Yeah, foreign film is. Uh, yeah, my number one's a foreign film. So, um, but yeah, so I two of the top fifteen. I'll take being foreign. That's fantastic. So, yeah, great to see that stuff. Yeah, um, number seven. Number you. number seven for me. Uh, I did. Uh, I did. Good luck, Leo Grand. Uh, mm. with uh, Emma Thompson and newcomer Daryl McCormick, where, um. Be- easily the best dialogue and conversation movie I saw this past year where you have this kind of, um, you know, this, this kind of, uh, I, I don't want to call her a prude, but just kind of a, a widow who maybe has never really had a lot of sexual experience and pleasure in, in her life. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of reached this point where she's like, I want to feel something again. And she hires a, uh, an escort to kind of help out a little bit, a sex worker. And it, mm-hmm. uh, the two just, and she of course is this nervous dither of a person because this stunningly gorgeous 20 something man is here to do this job. And it's, it's complete confidence. And she just keep can't stop talking his leg off about, how and why and this and that about what can be done for her, what can be done for him. And I just love, you would think a movie like that being a a very sex positive um, dramedy would just be a lot of like explicitness and tumble in the sheets kind of nature and all that. And it doesn't, it's just a lot of really good, honest and uh, conversation uh, built by Emma Thompson in that lead in a, in a super daring part where uh, we were talking about this on, uh, on another place somewhere. I think, uh, another awards group I was talking to were like, this is the kind of part where Emma Thompson super established at her age. She's done Harry Potter. She's done Jane Austen. She's done huge things, Disney things, all that she doesn't need to do. Oh yeah. I mean, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't need to do a very, you know, soul bearing and body bearing part like this. And yet she just put all into it, you know, in, in terms of her, um, her just her courage her her strength her resolve and and just man she just she just took this kind of part and ran with it and it mm. g- gave the performance one of the best performances i've ever seen her do in and again a tiny little streaming indie that's on you know i think hulu so yeah good luck leo grande good luck to you leo grande yeah nice and that's that's a hulu film right I believe so. Yeah. Where I'm trying, she's on Oscar lists. Uh, I don't know if it crosses over where it was an Emmy thing being more TV, but I see her on that variety chart for in the top 10 possibilities for best actors. I would love to see her there, but I know it's a big, deep year and a big field. So nice. Yeah. Um, So number six for me, this would be one that Don hasn't seen, which is cool uh, because I've only seen one so far of his. So yeah, uh, it's it's nice to have something that I can see that you haven't. But um, uh, my now I don't know if this would technically be called a foreign film or not. It is by a foreign director, so I don't know if okay. it's a, it's an English language film. But I don't know a lot about Sweden, so I can't tell you if I know that they speak a lot of English there. So I don't know. If this is truly a foreign film or not, but regardless, my number six was by Ruben Ostlin. It is the savage satire triangle of sadness. Um, okay. For those, for those who are not aware of the film, it essentially is a movie about the most awful people you can think of. I want you to think of the menu, which has some bad people in it and multiply it by a thousand in terms of, being vapid and careless and so super rich that they don't understand 
the world as it is. And they're kind of on a cruise that ends up uh, being taken over by pirates and crashing and they have to live together on an island. It's kind of like Lord of the Flies meets, I, I don't even know what the other thing would be, but it is a epic, epic takedown of social media culture. Um, you know, the problems with oligarchies and the rich and uh, it's, it's a fascinating film. And that's why like when I watched other films later, like the menu or other satire like things, I was always comparing it to triangle of sadness because Ruben Ostlin just does a perfect job with this film. And that's why it's almost in my top five, but it's uh, it is brutally funny and horrific at the same time. Uh, so I highly recommend uh, people go watch this one as soon as they can. Yeah. I've heard folks need, that's uh, kind of a strong constitution to kind of oh, get yeah. through that movie because it just it just the the depravity that it that it goes for i mean i everyone's talking about like babylon doing that stuff right now but i heard triangle of sand is is just makes babylon <sighs> look like a tiny little thing so i would i would go that far i i would say that uh babylon starts out um that way and mm-hmm. and tapers off a little bit triangle of sadness I'd say it's the middle. <laughs> it's okay. It starts okay. out. It starts out one way. It's very much more social commentary than in the middle. It gets very visceral and disgusting, and then towards the end, it tapers off again. So, I would say it's on par with you know an elephant okay. taking a dump on somebody in Babylon. You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> right, right. But it's, it's, it's close. It, 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 there are some scenes in here where I had to pause, and I don't do that very often. Where I had to pause mm. and be like. Oh, uh, you know, so okay, okay, for that, <laughs> yeah. But as you said, everybody should go see it, so we'll see how that goes. They should, they should, they should. Yeah. I know, yeah. Those are the things you gotta, you know, uh, just I don't want to say rites of passage, cups of tea, but like those are the things people gotta push through to appreciate the art, the medium, the effort. And I'm well, yeah, it, it's, I get it. it's also very divisive because mm. a lot of people do not like where it goes in the third act. Um, I love okay. where it goes in the third act personally, but I think that will make or break where you put this film. I, I haven't seen I anyone you. that says this movie is okay. I've heard people mm-hmm. either say it's a terrible mess or it's a masterpiece. And yeah. I'm not using that with quotes. Cause I know you don't like that word, but um, oh, it's okay. I know, yeah. but that's, but it's, there's no in between with this one. You're either going to love it or hate it. So I see what you mean. All right. Number six, huh? Yep. Uh, number six for me is a filmmaker I normally don't get into at all. Like I, his last film bored me to pieces, even though every pretentious film critic loves it. Um, <laughs> I haven't gone back to see uh, the Vivich that he did before it, but um, oh I tell you what, uh, Robert Eggers uh, hit the bullseye for me with uh, the Northman this year, where I think what, what I needed or what I needed or what it helped for me was um, give the man a little bit more money, a little bit more, maybe studio push to kind of be like, Hey, take your weirdness, take your, take your angles and your art and, but you know, amp it up and apply it in this particular place. And uh, I think it was one of the better uses of his powers, so to speak. And I, I don't, I know it didn't make a ton of money where I don't know if he'll ever get a, quite that big of a budget again, but uh, the, the Viking mythos and, and gravitas he brings and you give him a bigger budget, throw in some, you know, grander music, bigger effects. And boy, he can, it showed me something. It showed me Robert Eggers isn't just a pagan ritual, one trick pony kind of guy. He can, mm. he can, he can give him elevation, and he will elevate. And I, I was just 
impressed. The um, art and production values off the charts where I'm stunned it's not getting more attention here in in these Oscar uh, circles here because like costume design, production design, score, um, all the cinematography, all that is just pristine in, in, in a muddy and murky direction. Uh, mm-hmm. Yet it's getting overshadowed by all this late late year stuff that you know this movie came out in april but um alexander skarsgård uh nicole kimmon has a uh, a viperous part uh as a as a, a mean ass queen mother and uh there's just uh, anya taylor joy you've got a lot to really just grab onto and appreciate and just kind of white knuckle your way through because it's just uh, a lot of people use the word savage and brutal but it's um without obviously the the pause and stop and gag kind of stuff but uh yeah just no, um yeah. Just a just a, just a a go hard movie that I just really really appreciated, uh, and for me out of nowhere. Normally not. I mean, I like a good fantasy epic, but I need a little bit more swashbuckling version of that. But to see a a, a rip roar and meaty, uh, you know, just uh, a try, the visceral one worked for me. So yeah, the Northman. Um, that one's number forty-seven on my list, but only. Okay. And okay. I, I don't think it is a bad film. I I think that, um, I saw it like streaming. I did not see it in the theater, so yeah, yeah. I had already heard some of the stories about the double-edged sword of the big budget because the big mm, budget is yeah. on screen. There's no doubt about it. It's it looks definitely, gorgeous. Definitely. It's, it's fantastic, and though it doesn't have enough Defoe and and Ethan Hawke in it uh, to That's justify true. it for me, um. I think it is a compromised vision. You can tell this is not yeah. the story he wanted to tell. And that's what detracts me a little bit. I, I kind of feel like I'm watching something that's not complete. And that's why I lowered mm. it so much. I, so. I, I've, I've heard that complaint and acknowledge that for sure. Uh, I, I feel like it's one of those, like, I think we've talked about this in the show with some of those great directors we've spoken of that, uh, that maybe sometimes need someone to kind of rein them in like, Hey, Quentin Tarantino, hire an editor. Hey, Martin Scorsese, trim a little budget, you know, stuff like that, where I'm okay watching Robert Eggers get kind of, you know, Hey, line up here a little bit, like nudged a little to just not just just put some clarity into stuff that normally isn't very clear. So I was happy to see him pushed, but at the same time, I get how that counts as a compromised, a good word to put there. I understand that. Sure. I mean, to me, if, if the director themselves is coming out and saying it, then I am going to side with the director. I think. Yeah. That's, that's hard. Yeah. So that's, that's where it kind of colored my review of it. Maybe I can revisit it down the line or maybe we'll get one of those awesome director's cuts someday you know on 4k that's that'd be cool yeah uh number five number five this is uh this is a film we've talked about on the show and i know that you're a fan too i don't know where you've ranked it it has it contains my favorite performance of the year in terms of uh acting colin farrell uh and it's no it's not the batman okay uh it is the banshees of inishirin um okay a film that um it, the only reason why it doesn't crack my top five is because, you know, bias, you know, uh, the next four that you'll hear from me involve mm-hmm. like four out of five of my favorite filmmakers. So it's kind of hard to compete yeah. with that. But as as the outlier of that top five, this one is definitely for me in terms of uh, uh, subject matter. Um, think like the way I've thought about this movie every day since I saw it. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing intelligence. And of course, to me, this is, uh, I've, I've heard some pushback, but for me, this is one of those, um, silence of the lambs situations where 
all four actors should be nominated, in my opinion. Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon, and Barry Keegan. Okay. Um, okay. In the acting categories, you know, for uh, best actor twice and then supporting actor, supporting actor. Yeah, I think they're yeah. fantastic. It's just a, it's a completely intellectual experience that makes you think, even though it takes place in a time much earlier than ours, uh, mm-hmm. our current day, it makes you think about your modern day sensibilities and how we treat people and how we have friends and don't have friends. And, you know, it's just, it's a phenomenal motion picture that I, I'm so glad I got to see. Nice. Uh, no, well said. We had a great show on it. Um, it's number 17 for me, so not far behind in the prestige department for sure. Um, nice. My number five is uh, I got a shout out to a local product here. This is a Chicago-based film done by on a, on a micro-budget by a Chicago filmmaker. And uh, this is uh, Michael Glover-Smith. He made a movie called Relative. And... Ah, um, yes. Yeah, a, a nice little movie. Uh, it's his fourth film. Shout out to Michael Glover Smith. He'll hear this, I'm sure. And um, it is easily the best family drama movie I've seen this year. And that's including what's coming up on my list a little higher. Um, it's um, a story about a a Chicago family who is kind of coming back together for a college graduation party weekend for their youngest, where they're the patriarch and matriarch will have an empty nest when they're done. So um, it's kind of, and they have kind of a bit of a, not so bombshell decision to kind of swerve their family on when when everyone's gathered that kind of rattles the core of the roots that this family has in terms of like what is their present what is their past what is their future with the with the new decisions that are there and the the new places where everyone's going to be and everyone's an adult and having adult problems and uh just a really nice family dynamic movie um it just uh virtual no-name cast great performances good people uh tight little 95 minute movie where it just it just yeah it it hit the right family beats um inspired filmmaking in terms of just you know uh highlighting emotions and letting actors be you know develop and be characters without the usual pile on tropes and and just a a great patient way of taking the narrative you think is going to be a hunky-dory weekend and then swerving it just right when you need it to and then still having a place to kind of have things make it to a denouement at the end that isn't always a guaranteed thing. I think a lot of times a movie like this would be, you know, someone would be forcing a happy ending because you need everyone to be on a good foot before they leave. And not everyone is going to be on a good foot. They might be at an understanding place of like, all right, this is my new normal. And, you know, you'll see some trajectories from there, but not everything gets tied up in a bow. And I really appreciated that. So Michael Glover Smith and a little movie called Relative, which may or may not ever make it out to the he's been doing a national tour, hitting the festivals and things like that. So I know it's heading west, but uh, I don't know if I'll ever make it to Phoenix, but uh, I'll keep an eye out for it. And full disclosure, you were able to kind of present this film to Chicago, right? Like I did. Uh, um, he he's been going around showing this movie every chance he gets, and I was able to host a Q and A with this one. So, uh, yeah, I I know Michael. Um, I've reviewed his other films before this, and uh, uh, he asked me to come cover one of his screenings as a as the critic, kind of you know, dais guest, kind of whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure, very much a pleasure. Well, and, and just to bring up Chicago connections, I believe the director of Fresh is also a Chicago, yeah, native Chicago too, product, Mimi, uh-huh. Mimi Cave. So, a little mm-hmm. Chicago representation around here—that's nice. Absolutely. All right, so or I I'm in number four now. Here is my power power rankings where they start yeah. going in terms of my favorite directors. Now, this person, this was a surprise film. This was something that I did not see coming. Unlike the other three and Dr. Strange where these things were in motion for a while. Like this one snuck up on me. Um, 
this particular director, I, I like Sam Raimi a little bit more in totality. So okay. I would put Sam Raimi in terms of this hit lit, this murderer's row of my favorite directors. I'd put him number four over this director. But in terms of the film, number four for me, and I don't think this is going to be on a lot of people's list, is George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing mm, with okay. Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. Now, I am a big uh, George Miller fan, not only for the Mad Max quadrilogy and some of the other things that he's made and what he represents, but I'm also, I've also really loved George Miller because he kind of aligns with me in terms of popular art forms like comic books and things. And he actually references that. Like he actually was one of the big time directors that came to Marvel's defense when everyone was talking about how shitty it is. Mm-hmm. And because he, he actually believes in modern mythology and that's actually what this film is about. And there is actually one point in the film where the main character played by Tilda Swinton, she plays Alethea. She is a neurologist. I think neurologist, I think is what they call it. You know, she's an expert on narrative. And at one point she's giving a speech about modern heroes and modern mythology and the examples up on the screen are things like Thor and Superman and things like that. So uh, a little nice little throw out to, you know, for me that I appreciate it because he sees things the way I do. So it was easy for me to be like a George Miller film, but also the fact that it ended up being this kind of amazing and kind of pseudo anthology film Mm. about the genie's journey through life and with that, that little bit of, you know, George Miller, even though he works with big budgets now, he still has a little bit of that exploitation stuff in him. So it's, it's, it's always pushing a little bit of a boundary in many directions in terms of violence and sex and things like that. It's just a, a totally compelling story about, essentially, it's in the title. Like, what happens when you're immortal and you have this mm. longing for not only people, but ideas and ideologies and things? It's just... It's a very moving and incredibly well-written film. So it, and it cracked my top five. So, okay. I, I have not seen it. Um, I just, it was at a right when school was starting or I, I just had no time mm-hmm. to catch it in August. And, uh, but no, it seems like one of those movies, almost like cloud Atlas, where it's just kind of, there's some misunderstood genius and mythos there that I feel like people will come around and appreciate in time when they have the, when, whenever those things kind of, coalesce or come to pass in terms of whatever it is audience maturity time you know uh time and thought and reflection where i i will give that movie a chance and i can't wait to try it um yeah good nice pick um number four for me oh my gosh number four number three you couldn't find two more opposite things uh number four is the cute one um marcel the shell with shoes on um just adorable frank cute simple um slow uh kids kids and family film and they i will i'll take kind of like i don't want to put this as i'll put this deeper than i do the devotion tom cruise top gun maverick stuff but uh i'll take 50 of these movies to a thousand you know minions and illumination cinemas (laughs) movies where this this is just good old school talk about real things talk about real emotions still do it in a wondrous fantastical way for children and families to talk about issues things life and otherwise where you you find just a gosh the the energy of empathy from something so small was just incredibly impressive uh, out of this little weird youtube skit expanded to a movie kind of thing where uh, yeah on paper this shouldn't be a damn thing but uh you watch it and you're just moved to pieces and i and it to see it kind of 
not just be moved to pieces from an emotion standpoint, but to see them put it together and stretch it as a film and put it together as they do. It just shows a little bit more genius than just, hey, we've got a cute thing. Let it be cute for 90 minutes instead of 12, uh, where they you're still able, they were able to build on this and layer a full enough large enough story to justify the length. And uh, just, mm. yeah, adorable to no end. Uh, a, a, a millennial will watch it today and scoff at it because it, it is slow <laughs> and it's dorky and it's silly. Um, my kids ate it up, but I we talked about this. I got those sheltered little kids who, who who can see things in a serious way and haven't been sped up in their lives. So, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, that's interesting. That's another one I haven't seen either, and I don't know anything about the YouTube things or any of that stuff. So, when I saw the trailer for it, I immediately was like, I don't know what this is, and but I've heard uh, it's so an odd movie. Before. Yeah, I know that. Friend of the show, Aaron White, loves it. I think it's in his top five. You've got it, it in sure yours. It sure is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm going to have to give that one a shot at some point for sure. Um, all right, number three in my murderer's row. This one actually was my number one for quite a while. I would say until – when did I come and visit you in Chicago? August. Uh, August. So this one was number one till August from when I saw it to August. Um, features my current – title holder for most watched director for 2022 is David Cronenberg. Um, this one, we almost had a show on, unfortunately we never got able to do it, but I did appear on uh, Mark's show, uh spoiler okay. thing for it. So that's right. It is crimes of the future. Now I know there's a lot of Cronenberg heads and uh, people that were not as impressed as I was with this Cronenberg entry. Uh, he has, he has kind of, I'm not going to say he has abandoned the body horror genre that he made so ice, like just ice spine tinglingly good. Um, but he has, he has kind of gone in different directions, you know, with, uh, you know, the Eastern promises and history of violence and things like that. But so this is kind of his return, so to speak to body horror and kind of absurd, not absurd, but just obscure, weird science fiction that he used to be known for. Um, it has a lot of body horror in it, but not as much as you would think. Don't believe the reports that people were running out and vomiting. It's not that kind of movie. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, it can't. Everyone was vomiting. It's like, no, it's not that kind of movie. It's it's actually not very, um, it's actually not very gory. Um, but in terms of just a, you know, a Cronenberg film, which I adore, uh, I adore almost all of his films. This one is a slow burn with some very perverse and very weird things going on. And the fact that he gets to make a movie still in 2022, the way he wants to make it. And the fact that I get to see it, you know, on the big screen too, mm -hmm. where I did see a bunch of people walk out, which was fantastic. So that's why I know I'm watching a good movie. Uh, when people are like, this sucks and they leave because <laughs> they just don't right. understand it. But uh, so yeah, crimes of the future is my number three. Like I said, it was my number one till August uh, before it was replaced by a couple of things, but uh, I Not absolutely, bad. Love Crimes of the Future. Good call. Good call. Um, my number three, we've had a whole epic show on, so I'm not going to dig deep on it, is uh, Blonde by Andrew Dominic and Netflix. Oh, my, uh, oh my God. I know. I know. That's going to rile up the co-host. Uh-huh. Um, no, you heard no, me no. defend... Now you you heard me defend it then on the show. You guys can go find that one with Kitty Glybo. Yeah, we had yeah. a great show. And um, no, I, I see... I see craft intent and purpose uh, on super high levels with that film. And I, uh, it helped that I read the book and I super duper appreciate it. And on it, Armis acted her ass off. So yeah, there, there's an epic show that you guys can find on that one. So yeah, good, I'll, I'll save show. that for, yeah. 
Yeah, a good show. I won't say much on it. I I, I agree with you on the craft part. Um, the mm-hmm. rest of the stuff I'm, and then obviously it's, it's hard. Is, it's yeah, it, phenomenal. Yeah. But the rest I'm I'm not as high as you yeah, are. But yeah, uh, yeah I understand. Definitely I worth understand. talking about. Definitely worth talking yeah. about. Uh, number two should come as no surprise for any of you mm-hmm. that know me. All I had to hear was new Spielberg film, and I knew it was going to be in the top five automatically. Uh, mm-hmm. especially after last year, because my favorite film of last year was West Side Story, which I thought was Spielberg in a return to form. And I and like I said, we did do an episode on this one, so we won't yeah. go too deep into it. But number two is The Fablemans for me. I was incredibly moved. I cried a few times. I just uh, loved every second of it. And I just mm-hmm. love that Steven Spielberg's 75 years old. He's still cranking out crowd-pleasing, yeah. amazing films. No, I'm with you. Uh, you. When we did that show, uh, and that was also with Katie, uh, mm-hmm. your story, I, I know it just has haunted me since. Like your story oh. about um, your mother's death and how it just yeah. the, the the parallels of that that you saw watching Michelle Williams have her mother pass in the in the mm-hmm. movie, just yeah, that's that's why that man makes the movies he makes and connects with the people he makes. Where it might not it might not grab and hit everybody, but when it hits. It hits, and he is a beautician for that sort of thing as a cinematic man. Where, yeah, for as much as I still call it polished silver and a boomer bedtime story, it's 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 still a very very well done movie. It, it it's yeah. like I said, it's not a movie for me, but for the movies that it is for, it's special yeah. and it's important. And good job, and Steve. It probably, and it probably has the cameo of the year at the oh, end. Oh fuck so. yeah absolutely easily. yeah easily <laughs> easily yeah sorry damien chazelle Spielberg got you in the best camera of the year uh number two <laughs> for me um we had this on the show as well so we don't have to go super super deep but it's uh it's everything everywhere all at once and it was my leader in the clubhouse for most of the year until about november so uh yeah um michelle yo mm-hmm. please hand her the Oscars. she deserves it for for a career's worth of good work and including uh top to bottom work in this movie whether whether it's the the physical action the motherly tones uh she's just like the movie, she's everywhere on this, and she's outstanding. Uh, Ki Hu Kwan uh, hand him the Oscar the, today. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the most, uh, other than number one, it is the most complete, fantastic, original thing I've seen in a long time. Uh, as, as the yeah. guy who's in this grind, feeling the fatigue in other genres and other places, but everything mm-hmm. everywhere all at once. Number two. Nice, nice. Now, for my own sanity, I'm not going to go into any detail on number one. No one should be surprised because if any of you listen to the Tar episode, which I believe did come out before this one, uh-huh. uh, people like Don like to take my joy and then take a big old dump on it. So <laughs> I'm not going to talk about any of this because I'm just going to be made fun of for some reason. Like people will love no. to make fun of me for this. But my number one film, it moved me greatly. I actually saw it when I visited Don. I got to see it at an old theater in LaGrange, Illinois. Um, yeah, at an old, we, like, we have an unreleased uh, we have an unreleased video episode of this as well to go we into do. audio. So yeah, we do. someday, I mean, my, folks. Yeah, mine for me is nope. Uh, I mean, like I said, Jordan Peele is kind of my guy at this point, and uh, yeah. I will eat up anything that he does. And uh, this one is it, it, to me, it's his third best of the three. It's not my uh-huh. favorite compared to the other two, but it still completely blew me away and has remained number one since August for me and has not changed. The man has not made a bad movie. Now it might like, like I, I know I kind of sort of dumped on it in the tar episode to with Barbara Vandenberg, but uh, no, no, no. Uh, He, I, I hope he's got more tricks than he's got. I, I, he will not be M. Night Shyamalan. He will not make those mistakes, but he's got, he, what he does 
is on another level in terms of just mystery storytelling, uh, molding issues and commentaries in with his storytelling. He, he's special and he, he's going to keep making great, great movies. So no shame my, in what this yeah, is number one. And my last comment on it is that to me, he's, he did his Spielberg with this. It's a little bit of a Hitchcock, a little bit of a Spielberg. Sure. You you but called it did. Carpenter too when we talked, where this feels Definitely. very Carpenter yeah. for you. Yeah, there's some Carpenter, but the, Carpenter has influenced all of his work. But true. Um, but this is a very jaw. This is like his Jaws, maybe not impactful yeah. in the same way Jaws is, but in terms of the way that he filmed it, the creature, the uh-huh. things like that. It's very much a yeah. Spielberg film. So I've got a Spielberg and a Spielberg uh, homage as my one yeah. and two. So I I can't wait to see what he does next because he is appointment filmmaking for sure. Um, my number one we haven't talked about on the show I don't know if we ever will um, this is something that I I fell into uh, where I saw it on my own and thought oh man that was fun and then I saw it through our mutual friend of the show Ian Simmons with Kicking the Seat and it turned into um, it's been on a road show in terms of the award stuff it's the Indian film RRR which yeah. gave me which gave me the best communal theater experiences I've had since it being a teenager where yeah. just dance in the aisles wild action just euphoric just passion on screen between the the history the special effects the action the 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 friendship the bromances the romances all of it it's just it's dialed to 27 and it's amazing it, it's just it's ridiculous it, it and every wow. person i recommend it to who's seen it they're like oh my god don how how do we ever get through that movie because it's three hours and then two man where's this where's this movie been hiding and i'm like it's been on netflix since may guys so go find it go see it and i know it's on your list too so it is on my list to see and uh now that it's your number one i'm probably gonna start pushing it up towards the front yeah definitely well i tell you what um I, I'm not one of those guys. I, I, I need time to kind of say, oh, it's been a good year, this and that. But uh, I think there's been enough things to really love this year. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's been a great year for film, to be honest with you. I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, for everyone that's saying it's the death knell of film because of franchise filmmaking, or whatever. I think we got yeah. a lot of amazing, yeah. amazing films. And if you just look at my top 10 list, the Marvel show himself had one Marvel film in the top 10. So, uh, And I had none. Yeah. Yeah, Marvel. I mean, it's it's out there. The films are out there. So, mm-hmm. no, um, I tell you what, and this is a great opportunity because this is kind of our year end wrap up thing. Um, I owe you a big thank you just uh, for d- continuing this podcast journey uh, with me, and thank you for nudging me to do this. Thank you for uh, make, giving giving these opportunities for us to kind of sit down and chat. And I, it's nice to get away from the writing spot. It's nice to get away from the teaching stuff. Uh, we still talk shop when oh, we're yeah. not doing this. And uh, I just, I, man, I thank you for the wingman stuff we get to do together here, man. Will, thank you so much oh. for 2022. I appreciate you inviting me in your home a few times and uh, letting me get to know your family and get to know your friends and um, you know, it's like, uh, you're like, I know that we've only met a few times, but you're like one of my best friends, man. I love doing this with you. So I, I really appreciate it. That's right. See, look at that. Hissy fit unite. <laughs> yep. All right. So I'll just do, uh, I lost my thing here. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so I want you guys to follow us on Twitter at cinephile fit on Facebook, at cinephile, Hissy fit podcast and Instagram at cinephile fits. Um, are you Casablanca Don on TikTok as well? Uh, I Don? am. Okay, perfect. I sure you want to check. You want to? I, I got to do this more enthusiastically. You want to check out TikTok, uh, and Don's on there. Find <laughs> um, find both of us by name on Letterbox to check out our film reviews and ratings. 
We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. We are charter members of the Independent Film Critics of America, and we just released, we just submitted our, our uh, award rankings for the year. We sure did. Uh, thank you so much for your loyal viewership in our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile His Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive and 25YL Media. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast.